Good morning, everyone, here at the Owen Brown Interface Center. Hello. I saw a couple waves, so I'm just going to wave back. Hi to everyone at home. Good morning. My name is Colette Gelwicks. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a member of your Board of Trustees, and it is my great pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation also goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you are from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. Finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary here at the Owen Brown Interface Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. We have a couple of announcements today. Since UUCC's pledge drive started on February 27th, UUCC members and friends have made 96 pledges. Together, you have pledged $295,486 to support the work of the congregation in the 2022-2023 fiscal year. And we are now 39% of the way to our goal. Thank you to those of you who have taken the time to consider the meaning that UUCC has brought to your life and for submitting your pledge. If you are ready to make your pledge, you can complete our online pledge form, or if you're here in person today, you can complete a paper copy, which you can find in the back of the sanctuary. UUCC's Group Relations Workshop Committee is pleased to announce the selection of a facilitator team to lead the long-awaited congregation-wide facilitated workshop, which will be held on the weekend of May 21st and May 22nd. The selected team will be led by Brian Block, which has stellar credentials, an excellent plan, and glowing references. Everyone who is interested in moving forward as a community of faith is encouraged to participate. So please hold the dates of May 21st and 22nd. And now a quick update from your board of trustees. We covered a lot of ground again at our March meeting, so I'm only going to offer a couple of highlights. For all the details, we have our Good Governance blog coming out uh, later this week. The board approved the facilitator for the congregational workshop you just heard about, and we hope that everyone feels called to attend. We agreed with the members of the Mission Vision Covenant Committee to pause their work until later in the year, and we discussed a new process regarding advocacy requests to the board, which we will share once finalized. Finally, we also announced that our first vice president, Kristen Parrish, has resigned from the board for personal reasons. We are deeply grateful to Kristen for serving for nearly two years. Her authentic and honest approach and her big heart will be very much missed on the board. Thank you all. Good morning, everyone. I know that I was up here only recently to give a teleseries announcement, but Valerie and I are alternatively out of town the next couple of Sundays, so this will be our only opportunity to serenade you with a short concert teaser for our upcoming forehand recital on the Chalice series. 
I'll be super brief. Our first Chalice concert back last Saturday was wonderful, and we'd like to continue that live and in-person energy again when we perform for you on Saturday, April 9th at 7 p.m. We've been having a great time rehearsing together, and it promises to be a fun and interesting program of assorted works for two people creatively vying for arm space at one piano. You can purchase tickets online through the UUCC website or at the door the evening of the concert. The entire second half of our program will be devoted to various dances for four hands, so we thought we'd play you a short excerpt this morning to whet your appetite. This is a Spanish dance by the Polish-German composer Maszkowski. April 9th. Be here. Good morning, everyone at home here in the sanctuary. It's great to see you all. My name is Paige Getty. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and it is my great honor to serve as minister of this congregation and to welcome you all. 
If you are here in the sanctuary and need a hearing assistant device, please visit the sound booth in the back and they'll be glad to hook you up. You can find the order of service online using either the link in the chat for those of you on Zoom or the QR code that's gonna appear on the screen behind me um, or is posted on the wall in the lobby. If you are a guest with us today, please do complete the visitor form that Colette mentioned, either online or at the greeters table in the lobby, so that we're better able to stay in touch with one another. And we will honor personal joys and sorrows later in the service today, so if you'd like to contribute to that ritual by sharing your own personal joys and sorrows, please email those to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net or write them in the Joys and Sorrows book in the back of the sanctuary. And do remember, those of you at home, even remotely, you can participate in some of the worship rituals that we share here in the sanctuary. Lighting your own flame, whether you have a chalice or not, honoring joys and sorrows with your own bowl of water and pebbles. So gather those up if you don't have them nearby already. And as always, a huge thank you to all the staff and the volunteers who are supporting today's service, both in front of the camera and behind it. These services absolutely would not happen without a whole team of tech and hospitality volunteers, so thank you all. About two and a half weeks ago, on Wednesday, March 2nd, many Christians observed Ash Wednesday, marking the beginning of the Christian liturgical season of Lent. Lent is a time of penitence, of sacrifice, of reflection on human mortality. Lent lasts for about six weeks. It's comprised of 40 days, not counting the Sundays when worshiping communities gather. Those 40 days represent the 40 days that the scriptures say Jesus of Nazareth spent in the so-called wilderness, being tempted by the devil, resisting those temptations. These six weeks, culminating with Easter, also known by some as Resurrection Sunday, are arguably the holiest season of the Christian year. We Unitarian Universalists, though we grew out of progressive Christianity, do not share a common practice or observance of Lent. Much like the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, in which we hold on, have held on to that celebratory culmination of Christmas Eve and then the birth of the baby Jesus on Christmas Day, we don't have a consistent observance of the more solemn period of waiting and anticipation during Advent. And in the spring, we typically celebrate rebirth and new life on Easter Sunday, but without attention to this preparatory observance of Lent. But much like our youth reminded us in their service last week, life isn't celebratory and happy all the time. A full life includes death and loss and temptation and hardship. And the celebration of new life, of rebirth, of Easter, is all the more poignant when we've truly experienced and honored that fuller breadth of human existence. So this morning, we are invited into a thoughtful, reflective space. It will include poetry, Tizay-style chant, some words from some progressive Christian scholars and thinkers, 
and we're going to share an extended time of silence later in the service. So together this morning, let us embrace the fullness of our human experience, life and death and all. Let us worship. dedicate our flaming chalice this morning with an Ash Wednesday poem written by Reverend M. Barclay of Enfleshed, who writes, We come from the earth, and to the earth we will return, a place holy and dark where divinity knits the web of life, queering beginnings and endings and beginnings.
More of a sacred integration than a divine abduction, this is a gradual evolution, moving with respect for the way a life lingers. Eventually, and with time, destruction is made fodder for seeds. Death, a nutrient for life. Decay, a slow unfolding of future's potential. It's not without its complications, this claim of eternal composting. For one thing, it smells wretched. But it is honest, and we need more of that. And anyway, behold the gardens and ponder ocean floors. Consider the harvests on which we feast and the verdant tables set before wild things. To be born again like that? Isn't that God? Isn't that redemption? Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that enough? As we enter into a few minutes of connection with one another as a community, we're going to begin by watching a video recorded by Valerie and Ted Nolan about why they are generous in investing in this congregation. We are Ted and Valerie Nolan, and we give to UUCC because we believe in UUCC and get more out of it than we put in. We joined when our elementary school-age kids were beginning to seek answers to some of life's big questions, and it gave us comfort to know that when they entered middle school, they would have a safe haven in a group of friends since those middle school years could be tough. Little did we know that first Sunday when we showed up, how much we would get out of UUCC. From friendship forming camping trips and holiday celebrations to the reward we got from teaching RE to weekly sermons that inspire, provoke thought and encourage us to be our best selves. We've come to see UUCC as our spiritual home. We give as much as we can because we know how much we get and how much it takes for UUCC to be able to offer all that it does to so many in the congregation and the community. Thank you, Ted and Valerie. And now I invite everyone to rise in body and or in spirit as we lift our voices together in speaking the words of our congregational covenant. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And now, will you greet your neighbors Say hello, pass the peace, share your love. Good morning, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Hello
Michael is now going to lead us in singing one of our Taze chants. This one is Ubi Caritas. The Latin words are going to appear on your screen. And we are going to follow Michael's lead, and Michael is going to follow the lead of the Spirit in deciding how many times through we'll sing it. Good morning. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to serve as the religious education assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. For the first time in a very long time this morning, I am excited to say, if you are a kid who is joining us today, and you would like to come down front and join me here for a little game, I would love to have you come on down. It's been quite a while, so welcome back to the front. <laughs> welcome, welcome back. <laughs> so as Unitarian Universalists, we honor and draw from several religious traditions so that they might enrich our own. One of the religious traditions that we draw from is Christianity. And next month, Christians and many other people are going to be celebrating Easter. Do any of you celebrate Easter? Raise your hand if you celebrate Easter. So we have a lot of people who celebrate Easter. Raise your hand silently. What's your favorite thing about celebrating Easter? Stephen, what's your favorite thing? Easter egg hunt. Easter egg hunt, which we're going to have again this year for the first time. What's your favorite thing? Candy. Candy. That's a solid choice, Helena. What's your favorite thing? 
Candy, right? It's a popular choice. I'm, I'm going to take two more, and we already had you, so I'm going to go back here. What's yours? So you get to explore outside because it's spring and the weather is beautiful. Did you have something else to say? Easter egg hunt. So there are a lot of great reasons to love Easter. And this month, Christians are preparing for the Easter celebration by participating in Lent. Lent is a 40-day period where Christians believe they become closer to God and they rep repent for their sins by giving something up. So they might give up chocolate or coffee or television or gossiping. They purposefully take on and embrace a struggle. Now, as Unitarian Universalists, we don't believe in sin or repentance. But maybe there's something about this tradition that we can use to enhance our journey. So is there a volunteer that will help me do something up front? Anybody want to come? Will you come up front for me? Come right here for me and stand right here. All right, I'm going to ask you to walk from here to the piano and then back to me. Ready? Go ahead and walk. OK, be honest. Was that the most fun you've ever had in your entire life? No. No. Tough crowd. All right, let's see if I can make it a little more interesting for you. So first, I'm going to ask you to crawl, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to crawl through this hula hoop. Then I'm going to lay this down. What is this, you ask? Obviously, hot lava. So I'm going to ask you to get around or over the hot lava. And then I'm going to place these down for you. And I'm going to ask you to run in between and in and out, and then back to the start. Are you ready? All right, here we go. So through the hula hoop, over the hot lava, and in and out in between, running, 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 back, 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 back. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Very nicely done. Would anyone else like to go through? All right, so come line up here. <laughs> come line. Now, here are the rules. Everybody can line up. Everyone can come. You have to be, look up here. You have to be silent because we want to focus as we go through. And once you're done, you're going to come sit right back here, okay? All right, ready? Go. Come on through. Come on. Excellent. Excellent. Come on through. <laughs> Good job. Beautiful creativity. And come sit back in your place. Go ahead, you got it. Do you want to come through, sweetheart? Fantastic job. Good job. Very good. Someone just said that was, so come on back. You're doing great. Come on, sweetheart. Do you need help? Gorgeous job. Brilliant. <laughs> So raise your hand. You, I'm going to ask you, was it more fun the first time without the obstacles or the second time? You, why is that? <laughs> Tell me why. Less twist and turn. Less twist and turn. Did anybody think it was more fun the second time? You can raise your hand. You're allowed to say it. Yeah, some people. So here's the thing. A struggle or an obstacle, while often difficult, sometimes devastating, can help us find our meaning and understanding. It can make us more grateful for the times when it is as easy as walking from one side of the room to the other. And maybe it can help us feel more resilient 
more sure of ourselves the next time hot lava is in our path. So this morning, as we explore Lent, we honor the struggles and the obstacles. We honor the grief we all experience on our human journey, and we try to be mindful about how that grief might inform our joy. In our Unitarian Universalist faith community, in the season of Lent, we embrace the wonder and awe of it all. So kids, we're going to sing you out to classes, and parents, you can pick up downstairs, room 150 or 170, all right? Please join me in singing our children to classes. hear another Lenten poem, this one written by Reverend Anna Bladell. My old dog's ashes sit in a jar by the fireplace, and remnants of my beloved friend, impossibly dead, have been offered me too. I do not let go easily. And that's my offering and curse. When I die, I can imagine nothing more gruesome than being pumped with preservatives and left toxic in satin. Fling me into the wind, the water, the soil. May mycelium find me, repurpose and resurrect me into something like eternal life. Ashes to ashes to earth to the air. Tuck me in treasured places if you'd like. And leave bits of me in the places where I've gone to pray and felt free. Dolores Park and the Rose Garden where for four years I watched the sunset each night over the bay. Spring Park and Gray's Lake and Prospect Park, too, and now Hickory Hill and, of course, the mountains that gave place to my birth and the Carolina coastline where I learned to love dark depths as divine pieces of me are already scattered, flung far and wide. Most of the universe is dark matter, dark energy, too, which means most of what holds us is holy mystery, unknown, unnamed, untamed. We become holy and whole by holding each other through by holding each other through holding space for the losses, the griefs we can hardly bear. This year. My ashes come from last night's fire, and rather than wear them on my forehead, they sit cupped in a bowl, which sits cupped in my hands, which are cupped to receive something, like healing, or wisdom, or breath. Ashes and soil and Tulsi and salt, 
flame burning too, and a tiny baby succulent, because life takes infinite fractal forms, and healing is something like transforming pain into magic. This season, may we remember, we remember who we are when we move with and for each other. A murmuration of starlings, a trembling of finches, an exhumation of skylarks, a wisdom of owls, a conspiration of humans. We need each other urgently. There are so many songs waiting to be sung, so many dreams to be dreamt, and love letters waiting to become. As you hold this poetry in you, Michael is going to again offer us the gift of music. And you are invited to share of your own gifts, sacrifices of your financial bounty for the good of our collective work in the world. The instructions will appear on the screen, or you may place checks and cash in the basket in the sanctuary. Thank you for your generosity, as your offerings are now freely given, but very gratefully received.
So like a number of you, I came to Unitarian Universalism as an adult. Having been very active in and closely identified with a Christian church during my teenage and young adult years, this is not every Unitarian Universalist story by a long shot, but it is my story. And one of the gifts of Unitarian Universalism in the years since then has been the way that this tradition, through its clergy, its lay people, its stated desire to encourage inquiry, to learn, to evolve, has helped me to better understand the practices and meaning of my childhood tradition, and even helped me find ways to embrace it again in ways that feel truer to the reality in which I live. This experience of being reintroduced to an old tradition is certainly true with Lent, which, in my mind, was those weeks before Easter when everyone was giving something up, and that was the extent of my understanding of it. Not that I remember it being a particularly serious observance in our family, but it was a thing among many of the people around me. No candy during Lent, or no Diet Coke, or no meat. These days, I see people doing no social media, no alcohol, no caffeine. I don't ever remember learning why we gave something up, which is not to say that there wasn't a minister or a parent or a Sunday school teacher offering those explanations. I just didn't hear them, or they didn't get absorbed into my understanding anyway. So it's been all the more meaningful for me in recent years through the Unitarian Universalist practice of seeking and exploration and then of interrogating what's been revealed that I've been introduced to explanations of Lent that motivate me to take it far more seriously than ever before. One Unitarian Universalist colleague sums up the purpose of religious observances like Lent, including giving something up, this way, she says, by undertaking spiritual practices that are geared toward self-inventory, penitence, and self-denial or fasting during Lent each year, we equip ourselves spiritually to better meet life's most difficult seasons. That basic explanation is amplified by Reverend Nadia Boltz Weber, who is a progressive Christian pastor. I know some of you know her. So I offer this extended excerpt from a Lenten sermon that Nadia Boltz Weber delivered last year. So this was the beginning of Lent in February of 2021, a full year into the pandemic. She said, maybe the central challenge of having everything stripped away from us is not to see if we can avoid giving into temptations, but is to see how we've already succumbed to them. How we've already succumbed to them to such an extent that we don't even see what they are anymore. We don't see where we have accepted a false premise. Which is why, she says, I tend to justify and defend identities and comforts and privileges I desperately want to hold on to because I trust them more than I trust my God. And those things are such an integral part of my life, they become that which I am sure I cannot possibly survive without. She continues, 
Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to pawn off the wilderness as better than regular life. Feasting and community and celebration are essential to being human, and I, for one, cannot wait to get back to them. But they are not where we can answer wilderness questions. Which is why the most basic discipline of Lent is to peel even the thinnest layer of insulation away. It is to see who I am without something I thought I needed, without others telling me who I am, without something I thought was a need but was just another accessory draining the car battery. So for hundreds of years, the church, she says, has chosen to enter the wilderness of Lent and remove a layer of comfort. We give up chocolate or gossiping or TV, the accessories and anesthesia of our lives. But this practice is far from perfect because it's easy to think we are like doing God a favor favor by all this self-denial. Like we are taking 40 days to gather up a big basket full of candy bars and hours on Facebook to give to God, like some bad habit charity drive for the Almighty. And if there is one less Snickers bar in the basket for God because I succumbed to temptation and ate it for myself, then I have failed at Lent. But the point, she tells us, isn't that God needs our sacrifices. The point is that we need God. And as for giving things up for Lent, I honestly don't even know what that would look like when we've already had an entire year of loss and grief and isolation, as if maybe last year's Lent never really ended. So I'm not sure that giving up even more is going to help us nearly as much as spending the next 40 days paying attention. Paying attention to how our prolonged time in this wilderness is changing us. How it has been hammering us into vessels that can face what is next. As her sermon continues, again, this was last year, Bowles Weber shares the story of a show she'd been watching during the pandemic in which an architect, talking about designing buildings in places that are likely to experience earthquakes, says, seismic structures are built to withstand forces that aren't present until they happen. Seismic structures are built to withstand forces that aren't present until they happen. Nadia Boltz-Weber observes that that is what faith is about. Religious practice, trust in a holy presence, Lenten observance. Building and reinforcing structures strong enough to withstand forces that aren't present until they happen. Because we don't know what is next. No one does. In a recent discussion among UU clergy, I learned that the meditation manuals published by Skinner House, you've probably seen them, we probably sell some in the bookstore, maybe you own some, they were originally published as Lenten manuals. I had no idea. And so each one of them had 40 readings, one for each day. 
One colleague reminded us that Lent was an observance for many Universalists in particular, and for them, it was very much about daily meditation or reflection. Their custom via these Lenten manuals was to take a moment each day during Lent for a pause, mindful reflection on a particular theme. And well into the 21st century, some of us are continuing that practice together, posting images and reflections on a shared theme on social media each day. It has been meaningful for me to take a moment, to slow down and pause, to reflect intentionally. And I find myself opening up to a broader, humbling, sacrificial message of Lent in other ways like those words of poet M. Barclay that you heard earlier. Eventually and with time, destruction is made fodder for seeds, death a nutrient for life, decay a slow unfolding of future's potential. It's not without complications, this claim of eternal composting. For one thing, it smells wretched, but it is honest. And we need more of that. But it is honest, and we need more of that. In that vein, these words of Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan priest, resonated with me. He says, there are two moments that matter. One is when you know that your one and only life is absolutely valuable and alive. The other is when you know your life as presently lived is entirely pointless and empty. You need both of them to keep you going in the right direction. And Lent is about both. The first such moment gives you energy and joy by connecting you with your ultimate source and the ground of your being. The second gives you limits and boundaries and a proper humility so that you keep seeking that source and ground and not just your small self. Lent is about both. The most basic discipline of Lent, says Reverend Boltzweber, is to peel even the thinnest layer of insulation away, to see who I am without something I thought I needed, without others telling me who I am, without something that I thought was a need but was just another accessory, draining the car battery. The point isn't that God needs our sacrifices, she says. The point is that we need God. The point isn't that UUCC needs my unique contribution. The point is that I need this community. The point isn't that there's a deadly virus to be fought against. The point is that we're being called to take care of each other. The point isn't that you need me. The point is that I need you. For the next few minutes, we are going to share an extended time of silence and stillness. It will not last forever, I promise. 
but it will likely feel like a long time compared to how much silence we usually share when we're gathered in worship. So I invite you, wherever you are, whether you are in this room or at home, to position your body in a way that feels comfortable and reverent to you. We will honor a sacred time, welcoming reflection, an opportunity to consider our energy and our joy companioned with humility and limitation, to consider who we might be without the insulation we thought we needed, without others telling us who we are, to ask not who needs my sacrifice, but what do I need to sacrifice? At the end of this time of silence, Michael will begin playing the tune of Nada Te Turbe. The lyrics will appear on the screen and you will be invited to join in singing, first in Spanish, then in English, and we'll repeat both of those one time. But for now, I invite you into the stillness and the quiet.
Michael, will you help at the chancel table? Michael, will you help me? <clears throat> During worship each week, we take time not only to give voice to joys and sorrows that are shared from our personal lives, but also to engage in this embodied ritual in which we place pebbles in a communal bowl of water to honor the ways that each of us has an individual life that when it is shared, it ripples out and is held in the embrace of this loving community. For those of you in the sanctuary, if you would like to participate in this ritual in silence, you may come forward during the music meditation in a few moments.
and one last stone for all that you are holding unspoken in your heart at this time. Thank you. And now I invite you into a few more moments of prayer and reflection. Great and holy spirit of life, of love, that which is the ground of our being. May we feel held in that loving, healing embrace as we celebrate these stories of hope, of healing, also of grief and loss for those whom we have loved. In this season of Lent, may we truly know what is of most importance and value, what is truly sacred. Amen. Blessed be. As we close, I offer one more observation from Reverend Nadia Boltz-Weber. 
these from a post in her newsletter during Lent two years ago in 2020. I live a relatively drama-free life, but in the last five days, I received one piece of crappy news after another, as if they were all lining up at my door waiting to knock one by one. As each came my way, news of aneurysms, tumors, biopsies, pending felonies, alcoholism, and professional setbacks, I realized how the stupid things that don't really matter, but that seem to take up my bandwidth on normal days, started to recede into the background of my mind and spirit. And it made me think of the scene in the movie Children of Men, where fighters on both sides of a conflict see a mother walking by with her miraculous baby. They lower their guns and instinctively raise their hands toward the mother and child in blessing. The conflicts that seem so important in the moment seem entirely unimportant in the face of life and death. Like when we are holding on to a hurt from the past that involves a friend or family member, and then that person is diagnosed with cancer. Do we not then drop our weapons and raise our hands in desperate blessing? Because the thing that is truer than our resentment is that we just effing love them. But in Children of Men, as soon as she was out of sight, as soon as they could no longer see the newborn, they started shooting at each other again. I often have no idea what we actually mean when we say we are spiritual. But my best guess is this that we pivot ever so slightly toward that which matters. Maybe when we lead a spiritual life, when hard news comes, we have fewer petty things to drop. So as we enter the season of Lent, I guess I'm trying to figure out what helps my face tilt ever so slightly toward that which matters most. May we all do the same. Amen.